You might like to turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter 6. But I want to begin by asking you to imagine that you have been a slave. Imagine that you've been a slave your whole life. And finally, after years and years serving your master, you are released. What would you do? What would you do? What would you do first? You've been released. Now, maybe that's a bit uh, abstract, a bit too far from your own experience. Imagine you've lived for 18 years uh, in, in your parents' house and then on becoming 18, you become independent and have a newfound freedom. What do you do first as an 18-year-old? Party? Express some of that freedom in exuberance, celebrating with others? What do you do? Do you <laughs> do your own washing? Usually I think people expect or people aim to embrace the freedom that that new opportunity brings. To be able to make the decisions that they weren't able to make before because of the restrictive circumstance, whether that being a slave or whether that being living in your parents' household as a child, in reaching this new stage, people want to be able to make their decisions without the oversight of the master, without the parents and their instruction, their limitations. Be free. Kind of the if you've seen the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's just the expression is what what do you do when you don't have school, you don't have parents watching over you? Well, everything you want to embrace it. You drive the your dad's car that you're not supposed to have. Go and be in places you're not meant to be. You just do whatever takes your fancy along the way. And this is what we expect, and I think what we glorify freedom means: being able to do what I want. I'm not under the old master anymore, so I am free to be me, free to let go. There we go. Chains are broken. Well, last week in Romans chapter 6, we read that Christians have a new freedom in Christ. We are free from the old man of sin that Christ has taken to the cross and dealt with. That's not our identity anymore. Man of sin deserving condemnation. That's not us. And this brings a great freedom, doesn't it? A freedom. Anyone who has died has been set free from sin, we read in verse 7. But Paul, as he goes on in the next section, he explains that our freedom is, well, maybe it's not exactly how we would expect it. He doesn't talk about us, therefore, throw a party and do whatever you want, being free. No, it's actually quite different. 
quite counterintuitive. You see, Paul says we are free from the old person, the old self, and its slavery to sin. Yet we are not free from having a master. We're free from serving sin in order that we may be able to serve God. You might think this is a strange kind of freedom, but it's actually the best kind of freedom. Uh, Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 6 as we read what it says there. We're going to read from verse 8 to 14. Paul goes on, he says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself as any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Did you see what Paul's saying there? The old self died with Christ. And if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. That's the good news, isn't it? We have, we don't, we have an eternity of life with Christ beyond death to look forward to. But that eternity actually breaks into now, doesn't it? The life that we have to live, freed from the sinful self, that begins now. This is what it was like with Christ. The the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, Paul says, we count ourselves dead to sin. That old identity is gone. What's the new identity? Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Not alive to self, to do whatever you want, to just explore freedom as you see fit, to follow your dreams, to actualize yourself, your inner impulses. No, dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Freed in order to serve. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? We're freed in order to serve. But it's this service that is actually what we were made for and actually what is best for us.
Sometimes we think of freedom as being able to just have complete choice over whatever you want to do, but that's not what's good for us. A common analogy we use is you think of a train and there's a, there's a story called Toodle. Uh, if you've read that, one of the little golden books, Toodle, the engine that wanted to express his freedom as a train by getting off the rails and going through the fields. And you can guess it doesn't work out well for him. And he finds that he's best suited to driving on the rails. That's what he's built for. We, human beings, are built to live under God's rule. And though we sometimes in our, in our sinful attitudes, we, we think of this as oppressive or as restrictive, it's actually what's best for us. God knows how life works best and his way is good. Paul, <clears throat> he's going on here, still thinking about the big question of why can't Christians keep sinning if God's grace just keeps getting bigger as our sins increase? Why? Well, we saw that's not who we are anymore, the person of sin last week. Here we see what is our new identity? It's the person who lives in service to God, alive to God in Christ Jesus. And therefore, he encouraged the readers, the Romans, to act in this way, not to let sin reign in your mortal body. Verse 12, so that you obey its desires. Don't let sin reign. Don't treat sin as the master. That's not how things are anymore. Don't act like it's the boss. Sometimes it's easy to fall back into old ways of thinking, isn't it? But that doesn't fit with who we are now. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul says in verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. I don't think we think about the parts of ourselves very often in this way. Think about my hands, as in separate from me, distinctly. Think, what are my hands doing? Are they being used as an instrument for sin or an instrument for righteousness? What are my ears doing? What's my hair doing? Is it being used as an instrument for righteousness or an instrument for vanity? But this is the way Paul encourages the Romans to think. Think about yourselves. Think about what you're doing with the parts of you, the parts that are under your control, are you employing them to serve righteousness or are you employing them to serve God? No, they're the same. Employing to serve righteousness and God or are you employing them to serve wickedness? Are you using them as an instrument, a tool of wickedness or as a tool of righteousness? Jesus 
we read earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, takes the use of parts of our body very seriously. He says, it's better for you to cut off your hand than for you to let your hand sin. And so because of that, come under the judgment of God. It's better for you to pluck out your eye if it's going to cause you to sin. It's better not to have the parts of your body than to use them as instruments of wickedness. Now here, Paul is talking to people, talking to Christians, who don't have the prospect of hell before them because Jesus has already paid for that. But we still need to take seriously, what are we doing with our lives? Who are we serving? And when we think about the physical parts of our body, sometimes it's kind of, it's easy to kind of go, well, my hands, they're not really doing anything wicked. But maybe we need to think more holistically about the parts of ourselves. Maybe if you think about your ambition, is your ambition employed in service to God or employed in service to self, in service to sin? Uh, your relationships being used as instruments of righteousness. Is your spare time, your free time, that's a word again, free, is your free time being used as an instrument for wickedness? Or is it used in service to God? I'm not saying don't rest, but we ought to even think about rest in a way that is honouring to God. not just about laziness or fulfilling the desires of the flesh. What about your budget, household budget? How do you spend your money? Is that being, is that being employed as an instrument for righteousness? Or is it an instrument for wickedness? Budgets are hard, aren't they? Because they're something that we, sometimes we struggle to get our head around it and know where all the money's going. It just happens. Uh, but it's also hard to work out how do we, what does a budget that's being employed as an instrument for righteousness look like? How would you know? Well, I want to suggest that if you don't know and you expect someone else, if they looked at your budget and if they couldn't tell that it's being used for righteousness, then probably it's not. It should be obvious, shouldn't it? The priorities... what we do with ourselves. 
what we do with ourselves when we are tired, when we're worn out. What we do with ourselves when we're at our best, that moment of just bursting with potential, with energy to achieve anything. Are we considering ourselves in all those different moments of life, servants to God through righteousness? It's easy to think of ourselves as free from sin. We like that. Sometimes we resist at thinking about ourselves as servants to God. Well, let me encourage you again. This is good. It's what's best for us. See, the old slavery, where does that lead? It leads to death. This is the slavery that Christ has defeated through the cross. That was verse 9. Since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And we believe we will also live with him, death not having mastery over us. Sin seeks to enslave us, to keep exercising its stranglehold over our lives. And you know the way it works, don't you? When you start lying, it's not just kind of one simple act, but it involves you then in a web that you've got to keep up the pretense and you've got to keep thinking about now, what did I say last time and how do I keep perpetuating it and how do I be consistent in my lie and it ends up being an ongoing burden to the lie, a slavery to the lie. Whereas when we speak the truth, we don't have to do that. We don't have to kind of worry about, what did I, how did I express this last time so I'm not going against myself? Well, I spoke the truth last time so I can keep saying the truth this time. Sin doesn't work. It enslaves us makes things worse. Death is not our master. Christ has defeated it. Sin shouldn't be our master. That's not who we are anymore. Did you notice the way he finishes the last verse here? There's another thing that's not our master. Verse 14, sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. The law can be a tempting alternative for people to put over them. Strange as it seems, humans love being under the law. We love the security of the rules. We love that religious mindset. We feel some kind of safety there. But that's a tyranny of its own, trying to live up to its expectations. Trying to tick off all the boxes 
making sure we've covered everything so then we can rest. But Paul reminds us we're free from this as well. We're not under the law, but under grace. We don't earn our, we don't earn our freedom. Two Christ has made us to be. This is good news, friends. And we ought to embrace, embrace service of God willingly, joyfully. To see sin as not who we are and to see service to God, righteousness, as it's described here, as our now natural way of living. Quotes there. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You know, it's interesting he says, You cannot serve both. He doesn't say, You cannot serve either. We always serve one. That's the reality of it. We fall into serving God. Well, we don't fall into serving God. We fall away from serving God to serve money. We're tempted away. Bob Dylan put it out in his song. Got to serve somebody. There he is. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, Maybe the devil, or maybe the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. We have the choice of what to do. And it's going to be one or the other. Lastly, a uh, quote from Hollywood director Paul Thomas Anderson. He said this, I think really spot on. He says, if you figure a way to live without serving a master, any master, then let the rest of us know, will you? you'd be the first person in history, the history of the world. We can't do it. We think we are pursuing freedom and just living without limits, without restriction. But in the end, we, we're going to fall trapped to something. Whether it's our slavery to our own greed, our own Pride or ambition, they're just different forms of idolatry, aren't they? Whether we're trying to live up to a popular opinion, getting people's, people's uh, thoughts about us to always be positive and affirming. It's just an unending hamster wheel of slavery. We're going to serve somebody. It might look like we're serving ourselves on the surface, but at the heart of the matter, we're going to be serving sin, serving the devil, as Bob Dylan puts it, or serving the Lord. 
Paul puts this in Romans 6 pretty clearly, doesn't it? Doesn't he? We're not servants of sin anymore. If, if our old self has died with Christ, that's done away with. What's left? Oh, we're here to be servants to God in Christ Jesus. Let me finish with the prayer. Classic prayer from the prayer book. That expresses some of this, some of this truth. That in our need for in our need to serve someone, it's serving God that we're made for. That's best. Let me pray. Oh God, the author and lover of peace, in knowledge of whom stands our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us, your servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that surely trusting your defense, we may not fear the power of any adversities, adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.